Yes, yes, yo, everybody, you all are welcome to the Mind School Podcast with Christopher J, your teacher. My shout out goes to your scholars out there who keeps coming and tuning to the show from every listening platform all over the globe. Another shout out goes to you all for the love you show when you share and tag our shows on your social media handles. I must confess, you are the realest MVP. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Professor Dave again, let's check out consciousness. He knows a lot about the science stuff, Professor Dave explains. As we have learned throughout this series, we can reduce many aspects of human psychology to basic mechanisms on the molecular level. But this leaves one question unanswered. Why does it feel like something to be a brain? This is the mystery of consciousness. Just like your brain, your computer or smartphone receives input, processes information, and produces output. But as far as we know, there is no first-person experience of being a computer, or not yet at least. By contrast, our brains support conscious awareness, even though they are very much like computers. Many other animals besides humans display purposeful behavior, suggesting that they too have consciousness. When we say consciousness in this context, we do not simply mean being aware of oneself. We are referring to the idea of having any kind of subjective experience, such as seeing the redness of red, tasting the saltiness of salt, or feeling the coldness of cold. Essentially, if it's like something to be a system or organism or computer, then it is conscious. If, on the other hand, that organism or computer lacks a first-person experience, then it is not conscious. If the brain is more or less a biological computer, then why is it conscious? 
First, we need to consider the fact that oftentimes the brain is not conscious. When we are in a dreamless sleep under general anesthesia, in a coma, or experiencing an epileptic seizure, we are unconscious. We, which is to say our brains, usually have no subjective first-person experience under these circumstances, which in the case of general anesthesia is a very good thing. Yet our brains are still there with all of their complex neuronal architecture. So what is happening when we are alive yet unconscious? Humans have been thinking about consciousness for centuries, but many of our older ideas have not stood up to science. The 17th century philosopher and mathematician René Descartes believed that the pineal gland, which we learned about in our study of the endocrine system, was the place where an immaterial soul interacts with the body. However, there is no one particular location in the brain where consciousness takes place. Instead, lesioning different brain areas creates deficits in different aspects of consciousness. For example, lesioning Wernicke's area will result in an inability to understand speech, whereas lesioning another part of the brain, known as the fusiform face area, will result in an inability to perceive faces. This realization partly led to the formulation of global workspace theory, which hypothesizes that in order to be conscious of something, it must be globally available across much of the brain to many different cognitive processes, such as attention and memory. To return to our previous examples, cortical functions such as speech comprehension and facial recognition are localized to specific cortical areas, yet these cortical areas communicate broadly with the rest of the cerebral cortex, participating in the global workspace, so to speak. On the other hand, other areas of the brain exist that process information locally without globally broadcasting content. For instance, the superior colliculus is part of the midbrain which processes visual information, but does not appear to support subjective visual sensations, such as seeing the redness of red. In fact, some people with lesions to their visual cortex still have some visual abilities due to the superior colliculus, yet they have no conscious experience of vision. This fascinating phenomenon is known as blind sight. We now understand that integration of information across a global workspace is crucial for consciousness. But too much information integration seems to lead to a loss of consciousness. EEG recordings from various states of unconsciousness, such as coma, deep sleep, anesthesia, and epileptic seizures, show high amplitude delta waves. These brain waves appear when a tremendous number of neurons are synchronized, often not firing during the trough of the wave. As you can see, delta waves only occur when there is large-scale agreement between neurons or too much integration. In these instances, consciousness is lost because there is a lack of differentiation. What exactly does this mean? Well, the brain needs many possible states to select from in order to be conscious. The greater the number of states, the more informative each state is. Think of the alphabet used by the English language. There are 26 letters, or 26 possible states to choose from. By comparison, Chinese script contains thousands of characters. 
Thus, each character is much more informative than a single letter in English, so much so that a single Chinese character can convey an entire word or idea. The brain is the same way. During deep sleep or an epileptic seizure, most neurons in the cortex seem to be firing in synchrony, as if there are only two possible states, on or off. By contrast, when we are awake or dreaming, the activity in the EEG is much more varied and complex, and there are many more possible brain states. We would say that the awake brain has much greater functional differentiation than the asleep brain. The idea that the brain, or any system for that matter, requires both functional integration and differentiation to be conscious is known as integrated information theory, or IIT. This theory has explained some long-standing mysteries of consciousness, such as why the cerebellum is not involved in consciousness despite actually containing the majority of the neurons in the brain. Because neurons in the cerebellum form simple feed-forward loops without much crosstalk or integration, the cerebellum does not seem to participate in consciousness. By contrast, the cerebral cortex has a mixture of long-range and short-range connections and is heavily involved in consciousness. IIT has also inspired methods of estimating consciousness using TMS, a method of brain stimulation we mentioned previously. TMS pings the brain with a magnetic pulse, and the echo we see in the EEG quickly tells us how integrated and differentiated, or essentially how conscious, the brain is. IIT even has a number called phi that should in theory precisely quantify how conscious a system is, including a brain, computer, or even a school of fish. But scientists are still a long way from calculating this number for a real brain. There's still a lot we don't understand about consciousness and about the human brain in general. This isn't the end of our study of the human brain and of human behavior by a long shot, but hopefully we now have a basic understanding of how humans perceive stimuli and respond to them and the specific ways that the brain mediates all this activity. It truly is the most fascinating object in the known universe. Thanks for watching guys. Subscribe to my channel for more tutorials. Support me on Patreon so I can keep making content. And as always, feel free to email me, ProfessorDaveExplains at gmail.com.